I have to tell you, I am rarely this excited to preach to you. No, no. I mean, this is good stuff. I really, I've been waiting all week to get to share with, with you um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As I, I realize that if we were to actually live 1 Corinthians 13, things would be profoundly different. If you live this chapter, if we live this chapter, the people around us would wonder, I don't know who this person is, but I really like them. <laughs> it is a teaching that is going to require more of you and me than we could have ever imagined, calling us to a higher and better way. When, when I look through 1 Corinthians 13, the best thing I can think of is it reminds me of Matthew chapter 5. In chapter 6, where Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. And as he's saying these things, everything he's talking about is so contrary to the way life is and the way we understood life. You have to go, how can this be true? He's asking us to live a kingdom kind of life that is far beyond anything that I wanted to live before. <laughs> and now he's calling us to these great things. But if we live out the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it is the bedrock of our marriage. It is the, the trestle of our parenting. It is the M.O. of God in the workplace. It changes sin, uh, uh, friendships from just sinful collusion, a mud, muddying up of each other, to being a joint building, stones stacked together to be a worship center for God. Amen. Calling the world into it to receive God's peace and letting the glory of God leak out in our lives. That's a big chapter, isn't it? Sure, boasts a lot. And I want to tell you, as I look through these verses, actually, we're just going to look at one verse today and only half of that. <laughs> I don't want to tell you just half a verse has been killing me all week. I want to tell you it is too much. I believe that it's going to be too much for you today as well. But I encourage you, come back to it. Soak on it. Consider. Continue to come back and appreciate it. Digest and activate this truth into your lives. St. Augustine, 4th century, great theologian in his confessions. He was talking about that, the, the love of youth, that passion that we have. And you can think about it in the passion you've had for someone of the opposite sex. And you, you just you love being with them. You love them being near you. And you, you love the camaraderiness, or whatever camaraderie thing and you love you even love the smell of them you just can't wait to be with them your heart pitter patters when you're around them it's just there is this closeness this not feeling alone being appreciated and saint augustine was saying it that that happens but god is gracious that he adds vinegar to that sweet wine of love to that kind of love God in His sovereign grace adds some vinegar to that 
delicious, delightful wine. Because it is not the right kind, the, 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 the kind of love that we're learning about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because love is a sentiment, it is a feeling, right? But it's more than that. Love is something we love to receive. And it is. It's, it's delicious. But it is more than that. We learn of something that's far greater from our Lord. Love is an attitude. Better yet, probably to understand that love is a commitment. I know this is a lot before we read this half a verse, but I've been reading a book uh, on marriage by uh, Paul, Dr. Paul Tripp, and he replays scenario after scenario of people who come to him for marriage counseling, and as he's sitting with them, they uh, are basically, many, many of them are saying the very same thing. I don't think I love this person anymore. They don't seem to love me. Uh, things, we're, we're at the end of our rope. Those things that brought us together at first don't seem so fine and delightful anymore. That, that wine that we were drinking uh, has a lot of vinegar in it. And I don't know that I want to be in this relationship with this person anymore. And basically, Dr. Paul Tripp says, finally, we have been waiting for you to get to this point. And this is where you need to be. Because that sweet wine that you are drinking isn't really the fullness of love that you need. Welcome to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I hope you're ready to forsake saying that that is love. There is something that is greater in the love of Christ. Are you ready to quit? Are you, are you tired? Are you ready to walk out on relationships, husband, wife, uh, parents, children, at work, in the community? Here's a slap upside the head. I hope you've come to a crisis of love today. And if you're having a crisis of love today, you're in a very good place. It's okay. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is, we're only going to get past the first two words, I'm going to say. Love is patient and kind. Love is patient. Patient, it endures the injuries of others. I want to tell you, I've been uh, really enjoying Jonathan Edwards' uh, essays on this passage. Uh, it's called uh, Charity and Its Fruits. I'm going to commend it to you. You're going to hear, you're going to hear some, some of his thoughts and his organization in this. But he's but we are to endure the injuries of others. And so we are both like learning how to receive injury and also how to respond in love, how to respi- respond in kindness. Already, that's, that's a big, big trouble. Do you see that already? We're going to receive injury and respond in kindness. I know, you're thinking, maybe I should leave, because I don't know if I want to hear about this, but it's okay, hang in there. Patience, 
Another way of saying patience is long-suffering. And some of your translations even say that. That's another translation of that word, long-suffering. So let's start with suffering. (laughs) This long-suffering, this kind of love, is the mark of God's love throughout the Old Testament. Psalm 136, 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. And if we were to read all of 136, you know what you're going to hear over again and again and again? His love endures forever. He has an enduring kind of love with all of his creation. The God of gods, the Lord of lords. You see, he trumps every other kind of imagined God there is because he has a love that endures forever. This is a God who is extremely patient with his creation. He's extremely patient with you and me. Injury after injury, fight against fight against him. Unfaithfulness and unfaithfulness against him. His love endures. His attribute is that love endures. Enduring kind of love. This is not like the Greek gods. This is not the, like the, the, the gods of the Chaldeans. This is not like the gods of the United States. This is a God marked by his endurance with injuries. Those who fight against him, he is merciful and good despite how they act. This is who our God is. Praise the Lord. You say praise the Lord here. Amen. This is a good God. His love is steadfast. This word means unwavering, committed. It is a love that endures the transgressions of those who are the objects of his love. How do we receive injuries over and over and over again? Well, the Christian character, our attribute, our our, the way we should be is to receive them in meekness. Meekness is the receiving injuries of men while remaining under control. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this, put then, put then on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It's not like they're saying the same thing over and over again, right? Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So let's ruffle our feathers just a minute and think about the injuries that you and I suffer. Now, as I'm saying these, you'll probably recognize there's some of these injuries you've inflicted on other people, but let's feel sorry for ourselves for just a moment, okay? What kinds of injuries do we suffer? I don't have a complete list here, but I can at least get us started. We are injured when we are oppressed, when people take advantage of us when we are in need. That would kind of get us upset, right? We get upset from injuries when people don't fulfill their promises to us. 
We are injured when people shortchange us. When they just do the minimum to get by. You can think about people that you work with or people who work for you or kids and their chores and their homework. Amen. You are shortchanged. I have told you how to do that chore 750 times. And yet, you do the bare minimum. You have injured me. Not using the time given to be engaged thoroughly in the thing that you were given to do. Withholding the good that someone could do for you when you are in need, but they choose not to. When someone overcharges you. When someone doesn't give you good service. A waitress, cashier, underperforming, a teacher. Or when you are that person and other people are frustrated and and you don't understand why they're not patient because you don't have the resources to accommodate them. When someone doesn't pay back what they owe you. We also are injured by what people think, or at least what we perceive they're thinking. When there's something that goes on wrong, and they put our name into it, even though we didn't have anything to do with it. Why would you even think that about me? Of course I wouldn't do that. People who think the worst of you. You just know. They're not thinking good about you. They have contempt in their hearts. And then from this contempt comes the words of the tongue and what people say. And these are so common. They directly talk bad to you. They talk behind your back. They falsely accuse you of something. They greatly, now you can think about especially like people who are close to you, they greatly exaggerate your mistakes. I know I messed up, but it wasn't that big a deal. Injured. The way people speak to us, abruptly. The language they use with their hands, or the roll of the eyes. Doesn't that kill you? Being dismissive. Cutting you off so you can't speak. Injures. We're injured all the time. Are you starting to get this? Like, that's like everyday stuff like that's happening. How about in the authority over you? When someone has an authority over you, and it just kind of adds another layer of injury because you have like no, you have little recourse against them. And, and that might be a teacher, a boss, a pastor, a parent. A peace officer, a judge, they do something and they use their power in an unfair way. Maybe to better their own interest or they're just mean. And we're underneath them and it's unjust and it's unfair. How about when people show favoritism? Maybe your siblings, you know who the favorite one is? It was me, so (laughs) I don't really feel bad about that, but. But other people get favors and 
get treated better. They get invited to parties you don't get invited to. They get to hang at someone's house, being overlooked, passed over. Am I feeling any of those injuries? Unappreciated. Oh, here's a good one. Unappreciated for what you do and who you are. And some of the men go, yeah, I feel like that. People don't respect your role as a husband, a wife, a parent, employee, foreman, supervisor. Here's a big one right now. In public affairs, when the people in power, the politicians, have a spirit of opposition to your ideals and values, and they're working and you feel rather not for your good or the public good, but for their own good, ah, you seem powerless to change it. Is anybody miserable yet? I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get you there. We are off injured. We are also injured by other people's self-will. They want to get their own way. And we sometimes are in their way. They have an agenda that benefits them. You ever been around that situation? They don't really care about what you got going on. They force others. They look for their own interests, don't care about yours, don't care what you're working towards, what you want to do. You have to do what they want to do. Have you been injured? And then, have you been injured by revenge? That's when you do any of those things listed and beyond to someone else, and their response is revenge. Because you said that, you're getting twice as much of that, right? And you're like, what? That's not fair. And so we are injured by the revenge of the things that we did or may, have, may not have done to someone else. And those people feel as if they are justified as they fight against us. These two are more injuries. My friends, we are often injured over and over again. And that's why if you think about water rolling in a stream that's only about this deep, and as it goes through the different obstacles, it both has to bend and move, and it makes a lot of noise. That's why you have a babbling brook, right? Because it's trying to make its way through all the things that are in front of it. But if you were to have those same impediments in a river, the river flows over it. You never hear it in the babbling book, brooks, right? The river is just flowing. If your love is so shallow... You will find that your love is always running up against things and you're making a lot of noise because you're often injured and often upset and it doesn't come out like love. But if your love flows deeply, it doesn't run into those obstacles. It makes its own way. This is the kind of love we are to have. What is our response when we are often injured? The Bible says that we are to be patient and kind, meekly bearing these injuries. You know, our, our nature says that we should revenge those injuries, and we do that all the time. It wells up in you and me, doesn't it? When something happens, when you are injured, you're going like, oh, you can't do that to me. 
so we fight back. That's our way. Our, our immediate response is revenge. Yet the Bible says, be slow to anger and slow to speak. Why? In Psalm 86, 15, the word says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is God's way. And now he says, for my people, you're going to follow the same way. James 1, 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we're going to be like God, Psalm 86, 15, then we have to be slow to anger. Be slow to to speak. Be careful because your heart wants to take vengeance. James 3, 17 through 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. People of God, the love of 1 Corinthians, the love of God, is a love that makes peace. It's oft injured, regularly injured. But our response is to be slow and to be peacemakers, to make things right. You know, when we are injured, there is a need oftentimes for the correcting of the, pers- of the other person. But check yourself in this correction. Is your correction meant with injurious intent? Like, oh, I'm going to tell them. Oh, I'll tell them. We'll get this straight. Or is it a correction? Like we were talking about this morning, is it a correction that's meant to heal the heart, to bring the person closer to God? Do you feel that distinction? Do you know that distinction, right? Instead of just getting justice for yourself, it has its intent on the sanctification or salvation of the one who has injured us. A patient love must not allow the injury to disrupt our own peace. Do you hear that? A patient love must not allow the injury to disrupt our peace. How do we do that? We, we can't be disturbed by every wind that blows everything, every injustice against us. We can't let it get to us. We should be willing to suffer much in our feelings and in what is done against us. We should forego the right and opportunity to defend ourselves. After all, we all have the possibility of changing an enemy into a friend. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, quit taking, quit taking other believers to court. Like This is stuff that we should be able to figure out here as the people of God. You're making a, a mockery of the church, of God's people, because you can't get things right together. Why is it called long-suffering patience? Because it keeps coming. Because there's lots of suffering. We're gonna, you're going to receive... Lots of suffering throughout your life, throughout the day. 
This kind of suffering is not meant just for a season. It doesn't have an expiration date. Rather, you should expect to suffer and suffer until the end. We've got to learn to be good at this. We've got to learn to be good at suffering. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Pretty overwhelming. I was thinking this week, there is this brother that has, I could count the times that he'd hurt me. I, I counted up four. I could tell you a lot about each one of those scenarios. But then I realized that was four time, and I've known this brother for 15 years. Uh, what? Four times. He's hurt my feelings. He's injured me four times in 15 years. That's really not that bad an average, you know? <laughs> Yet when I think of that person, I'm like, Ugh, right? You hurt my heart. You hurt my pride. You hurt my, hurt my respect. The Lord said, Marcus, <laughs> you know how the Holy Spirit's so good about slapping upside the head? He's good at correction, but he corrects us with hope, right? So it's like, at the end of it, it's like, yeah, that's exactly who I am, but that's not who I'm going to be. I don't want to be like that. So I got to forgive again this week. We are going to be suffering for a, gr a great while. But be willing to suffer a while before having to feel like you need to defend yourself out of, re out of revenge, needful for self-defense, you work towards peace. He's calling us to a great, great kind of love. A kind of love that, in, that imitates our God. A kind of love that imitates the love of Christ. That lives in the gratitude to the love that we received. I think that's one of the characteristics of love. You can't, love is an overflow thing right? And if we don't have love, we can't give love. And that's what happens in marriages all the time, right? There isn't this flow of love because you're not, you're not investing in me. You're not putting love into my account. I don't have anything to give back to you. And when we realize that, that our relationships with other people become transactional, where I have to get love in order to give love, then we have really fallen into love that's like this world rather than the love that's here. So we as believers can think, as, as David said in the 23rd Psalm, my cup runneth over. I, I'm able to overflow into other people's lives because I am filled with love. So if you find yourself empty and you're just like, I can't, I can't go on anymore with this person. I can't go on and handle this situation anymore. I want you to check your cup. Because in the cup is the secret to success of love. Are you overflowing? So I encourage you to go back to Jesus Christ again. See his attributes. See his example. See the great love that he has for you and let it flow over you. If you find yourself empty, go back to the source. Not too long ago, Casey was preaching the same idea in John chapter 4 where, where Jesus is telling this woman at the well that he is the, 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 the spring of life overflowing into eternity. 
So if you find yourself empty, it's probably because we haven't spent enough time getting filled up, recognizing, remembering the love that God has for us, how He has been patient with us. He has endured so many things. Jesus prayed for murderers. He, he pleaded on their behalf that God would not hold it against them. Can you count the number of ways that Jesus is injured by others, by his enemies, by religious leaders, by family members, by friends, by his disciples? Brothers and sisters, we need to learn how to do this. It's the work of God. Slow to anger. Slow to speak. Brothers and sisters, how does your love flow? Love is kind. Love not only receives injury and is able to respond, no, it fails to respond in revenge, but in, responds in kindness. Do good to those who injure you. <sighs> Do good. Care for their soul. It, it means maybe teaching, correcting, reproving. Tell them and show them. Three ways to show love. And we'll finish up. Give them what they need that you possess. If you are going to show kindness to someone, consider giving them what they need that you possess. It may be something material, but it may be something greater than that. It may be friendship. Number two, three ways to show love by working towards their good. Using your energy and your strength, your, your time to serve their interests. That's what Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount, that we love our enemies, love our enemies, yeah, you seek their good. Paul says in Philippians 2, as we were saying earlier, that we put the interests of others before ourselves. We suffer for them. We bear their burdens. So to fulfill the love of Christ. Whom should we show this kind of love to? To everybody, especially to the household of God? We show this love to the unjust, those who don't ask for forgiveness. Those who are stuck in their sins. Whom do we show this love to? Friends and enemies. Who do we show this love to? Our husband, our wife, our children, people at work. This love is to be expressed freely, not expecting to receive anything in return, cheerfully, heartily. This is part of us laying up for treasures in heaven. Brothers and sisters, how does your love flow? Are you ready for revenge? Are you patient? Are you ready to get your way? Are you kind? I know this is a heavy message in many ways because it is against 
our nature. It's again, our, it's our sin nature. And if you come today and you are tired and you are not good at this yet, it's okay. Today's a new day. The Holy Spirit speaks to you today in a hopeful way. There's a new way. There's a better way. And we get to keep preaching through 1 Corinthians 13. Who knows what's next? As God teaches us His way. As we learn to be filled to overflowing into other people's lives. And if this be true of you, oh my, God is at work. And His glory will be leaking out of your life. Amen.